This episode of Reasonably Spontaneous Conversation is brought to you in part by Clay Boykin Life and Business Coaching, because we all get stuck at times. For more information, visit clayboykin.com. By Janelle Bean, for fun and engaging children's books with cute and colorful characters. For more information, visit janellebean.com. And by Wise Owl Organizing, simply set up for you. Organizing consulting and clarity coaching, virtual or in person. For more information, visit wiseowlorganizing.com. Hello world, it's me, Dennis, and welcome to a reasonably spontaneous conversation with my long, long, long time friend and someone I admire, Bob Woodman. Hello, Bob. Dennis, it's good. So good to see you. It's been, I guess we need to get together every 20 or so years just to, you know, just to catch up yep. on things and see how things are going. So, well, yeah, it's so good to see you. Well, it's so good to see you. You know, uh, as I was growing up, uh, we had in Victoria, Texas, we had uh, KNAL, which was the country station and uh, and some of the talk in the morning and this. And then we had KVIC, which was the pop station, which was beginning. This was when I was growing up and we we're getting into the Beatles and getting into that. And so that was going. So where did you intersect radio in general and when did you intersect kvic in particular question uh radio i started at a small radio station believe it or not it was a little ah, thousand watt daytimer in uh, tuscaloosa alabama and this i still went high school really well, the, and what yeah, year was this what year was this well that was in 1956 i think 56 or 57 no 50 yeah 56 i guess it was and I went to the, uh, the woman who was the owner, and I said, hey, we need some rock and roll radio on this, uh, in the city. And there were, I think there were three stations in town at the time, and she was the number fourth or fifth rated station in the three-station market. And uh, so she said, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, I, I was shocked that she did. She said, I'll give you two hours on Saturday morning if you can sell it. And I said, okay, what do you mean sell it? <laughs> so... Uh, so she said, well, if you'll get some advertising. So we sold it in 15-minute uh, blocks, yeah. two hours. And I, went, I was very happy. I went, had four clients on the air. And she gave me half of the money. She said, okay, you sell it for whatever you can get for it. I'll give you half the money. And so uh, I said, okay, we'll just do that. So there were four clients. Each one got two quarter hours during the, during the two-hour block. That was WNPT in Northport, Alabama, which is the little suburb of Tuscaloosa. Oh. And that it all it all started right then. So that, it is, but, but but Bob, historically, this was the beginning of rock and roll. So you were on it, the it leading was. edge. You it were on was. the leading fact, edge of what was going. So how how did you how did you begin to know that rock and roll was something that was going to be? The, I think it was uh, something. I think Dennis. I think it was something in high school. Uh, I'm getting something on the on my camera here. Sorry, yeah. my apologies. Sir. I guess no it's worries. my hand. I yep. guess it's my hand. Um, in the school, of course, Elvis was beginning to be the guy, right? And, uh, and Chuck Berry, and and the, the we were. It was transitioning from what 
we called back in those days race radio. As, exactly. As and and did, did you did you find race radio in, enjoyable? I mean, did you have that? Did you have a sense of something was there that the it, white it, artists could cross over and begin it, to pull from? It, it was just breaking up. We were starting to get some black artists who were recording. Uh, we were mm -hmm. uh, the the I, I guess Fats Domino came along a little bit after that, but we were starting to get some uh, African American uh, people. Yep. And up until then, people like Jerry Lee Lewis and and uh, Elvis and all had been criticized for imitating exactly uh, imitating black radio. Exactly. And so black radio started coming into its own uh, about that time. Mm -hmm. And it was it was a fascinating transition. So uh, it's interesting you should ask that. I don't recall exactly what happened, but I didn't ever have any bad experience with it. No. Uh, we never had, uh, even in the segregated Deep South, we really didn't have any complaints. Uh, right. And, and uh, our city was really usually pretty harmonious anyway. So we, we didn't really have anything like uh a problem or people complaining that we were no. playing something that was by a, an African-American right. artist or, or whatever. The biggest but yet, complaint, yet, I yet think, you and I both saw separate, but equal. We saw separate water fountains. We saw separate, uh, separate bus station. As we, did, we did from we the have, white man, we, we saw it from this side. So we knew the segregation that even though we and uh, we as white men didn't have to have the, have the experience that, of it. That's right. And I came along before you did. And uh, I certainly did see this. Of course, I went to us to segregated public schools my entire mm -hmm. career. In fact, uh, the University of Texas, when I started there as a freshman, was just beginning to be integrated at that time. Wow. That was in 19, 1958. And uh, we were just, uh, there were no African-American football players, no African-American athletes at the University of Texas at that that's, time. That, that's breathtaking at that and, time. And so, so that was, uh, there again, I, I didn't want to get off on a wrestling, but that is interesting. You should comment on that because... Sure. You and I did see that. I, as I say, I came along before you did, but I saw so much that was so unfair, yep. so wrong, yep. uh, and and really knew it at the time. And and, mm -hmm. and quite honestly, I'm a little bit ashamed that I never spoke me out about it too. That, yeah. that is the same. It's the same with me, Bob, because I, I, I had that. Uh, I'm 74 this year. So I was yep. born in 48. You were born in what year? I was born in 40. And 40. So, okay, so you've got eight years. I've got right. eight years. On you. So, so, but during the time that you did that, so you were seeing, did you bring your love of music and radio to the University of Texas? I did. And uh, in fact, I had been a musician or <laughs> no, not a musician. I had played music. <laughs> I was yeah. never a musician. Uh -huh. uh, I did. And, and the first thing I did uh, when I got to Austin was I went to radio stations to see if I could get a job there. Sure. And ultimately I did uh, at a, an FM station that did not, was not a very good station. Mm -hmm. uh, I got a, a job there and then transitioned to a couple of other stations and uh, ultimately ended up at uh, KNOW, which was the sister station of the one where I met you uh, when I was in Victoria right. at KBIC, uh, owned by the, by the same company. So 
yes, I always liked music. I always liked being a disc jockey. I always thought it was fun. I liked playing oh. music. And, and it was just, you know, here it is. Okay, guys, here's the McGuire Choir with so-and-so. You know, here, you, know, you remember all the cliches. And it was just, it was just fun. And I felt like a star. It was exactly, nice. it was nice but, but it was. I mean, did, uh, so did at that time describe Austin because those of us who uh, I came to Austin in in twenty eleven, uh, uh, and so Austin was truly a uh, a much changed place. But you were there when uh, you you were there when Austin before Austin actually became the the cool place that it was. It it is not. Listen. It's not the same place. I mean, it's, it's just a totally different place. When I went, when I got to Austin, the University of Texas had about 20,000 students and the city had about 220,000 people, something like that. Maybe, maybe in the metro, there might have been 300,000. Maybe. If you kind of break them all together, I'm, I'm not really sure. And uh, as you said, it was not, didn't have the, uh, the coolness or the flair. The, it, it was just, it was just a place. I mean, sure. quite honestly. And I think most of us who, were there recognized that it really was a special place at that time, even even then. And when I got out of school, uh, I went on active duty for four years. Where did you go? What, what, what years were those? I'm, I'm sorry, I, I got 63 to 67. Uh, all right so this is during the vietnam era yes. and where did you was it were you air force well i was aboard an aircraft carrier out of norfolk for two years and then i was in pensacola for two years with the blue angels and so that was uh that was the fun the fun part was with the blue angels they those guys uh, taught me a lot about aviation and about public relations and i, I was not a pilot but i just loved working with them i was their public relations officer and uh, it, you know, schedule their their shows, and I'm sure you've seen them, and you know, of it, course, just, just an exciting bunch. Were they flying and, Phantoms at that time? Uh, or what were the, they flying? They were, actually, this was before the Phantom. This was a Tiger. It was the F11, yeah. and then they transitioned to the F4. And just before I left Pensacola, they were transitioning to the F4 Phantom. Uh, that was, uh, and it's just, of course, now they're in the F6, F60, oh, yeah, they're, whatever they just something so totally different. We, uh, they were just about supersonic when I, <laughs> no, that's the, well, the, Bob, the, F, the F11 Tiger was barely supersonic. Yeah. Uh, but all right, but you're in public relations now, and we're talking about the same, you're, you're writing, you're promoting, you're doing these, this is the same skills that you were using when you were using it, when you're, when you're selling uh, advertising in Tuscaloosa, you're using the same skill set that you're doing is you're just selling the concept of these, these amazing air, uh, aircraft and, and that, pilots. I think that was the fun of being with the flight demonstration team. And they, they were very clear that it is not a, an aerobatic squadron. It's a flight demonstration squadron right. because the public, the purpose of, of the blue angels ostensibly was to, of course it's thrill people, but sure. the real purpose, the published purpose was to show how uh, naval aviation works. Yep. Show now how, just as the Thunderbirds are there to show how Air Force aviation works, yep. naval aviation. In fact, the uh, naval, the, the the fighter planes that they flew uh, were equipped with tail hooks, just like uh, carrier planes, sure. so they could operate on, on an aircraft carrier if they had to. They they didn't, but they yep. they could. They could have. They were truly um, uh, naval navy navy. They were not 
changed up at all. They were just exactly the, the same thing that, that naval aviators fly, the ones they fly in Top Gun and, yep. and all, all this, this kind of thing. So anyway, did you, did you, 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 you got out of the, uh, you got out of the Navy then. And yeah. what's your plan? Well, that's good. But there again, Dennis, you have some very interesting questions because <laughs> I had decided uh, at one time that I was going to be a lifer, that, uh, you know, it's going to be all right. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll stick around. And I, I kind of liked the Navy. And honestly, if I could have stayed in Pensacola the rest of my career, I probably would have mm -hmm. done that. But then I wanted to get back in broadcasting. So I decided that. Uh, you had to go to a big market. You had to go to Atlanta, Dallas, or Houston, sure. or in, the, in my case, uh, Birmingham or Memphis or someplace like that. Yep. So I put out this plethora of, uh, of uh, tapes and, and sure. uh, resumes. Well, finally, one landed in, on the desk of a friend of mine in Austin, whom I had worked with when I was in school, when I was part-time. And he wanted me to come back to Austin. And so we, did, we hooked up, and uh, Harry Smith was his name. He was the ostent generally the he was the sales manager but he truly was the general manager because right. our general manager really was a little bit he was about ready to retire sure so harry hired me as a news director as the news director in, in austin at know so by that time austin had grown but mm -hmm. not to the no, but it was now. starting, but we're, but it's starting to get the music. We're starting to get the scenes that are happening. We're seeing the anti-war protests. We're seeing the, the Vietnam. Um, and how, how did you, because I came, I was in the army from 70 to 73. Yep. And so you, you were earlier than I, did you, what was your consciousness as far as your awareness as to what, what the war was about, what the, what, what the, the protests were about, what the change in the, because this, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk with you, Bob, is because you actually were there when the change in consciousness of the human beings through music that went during that time. I mean, you got the entire throughput during this time. So I knew I wanted to get, to get, to get this conversation. That, that is such a, a, again, an interesting concept because when I went back to Austin, uh, the the folk music and rock and roll those those were the be that was the beginning of the of the anti of the anti war all the protests this was the winding down of Vietnam I got to Austin in sixty sub sixty seven wow uh, but went back to Austin in sixty seven by that time the city had grown to about 300, 350,000 people and the uh, there was a head shop there called Oat, Oat Willies, and people had begun yep. uh, smoking weed pretty much in public. Sure. There was a, a place called Ar uh, Armadillo World Headquarters, which was on Barton Springs Road. Uh, it was it was where all the, it's where it began, Dennis, sure. the, the whole thing, the even, even Willie Nelson, uh, you know, you go to sleep at the wheel and some of the, the artists who were starting to perform, th this had nothing to do with the, the protest. Right, but this was the the genesis. But you of, can't separate the music from that's, that's from right. the raising in the country. You can't do that, Bob. That's exactly right. At that point, rock and roll was the protest music. But ultimately, ultimately, the uh, country and 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 Texana music mm -hmm. had evolved into something of a. Uh, an awareness thing. It, it was no longer 
country music with four chords. It was uh, music that that really spoke to people. It was not uh, "You're Cheating Hard." It was not Hank Williams. It was it was messages. It was uh, stuff that that raised the aware. You said it raised the awareness of people. Yep. And it was it was a period. I'm so grateful that I was able to go through. I I, I was on the air. Uh, as a disc jockey for a while, but then uh, was off the air. I was in, on, in news, mm-hmm. but even after I transitioned to sales in, in Austin, I was still so aware uh, by going to the concerts and the shows mm-hmm. that we sure. had that we promoted uh, to, and we were a rock station, Yeah. but again, uh, there was, a, there was a place called the Vulcan gas company and it was on Congress Avenue. And that was where, the real heavy rock acts played before uh, before Sixth Street actually became a place to go. And people who are not familiar with Austin will not know what I'm talking about, but Sixth Street evolved into a place for protest and yep. a place for the, the beautiful people, the people who exactly. had green hair and the people who had the, uh, whatever they were just yep. people who didn't conform and exactly. it was a, a wonderful wonderful place I, I know that there are other places in austin but that was where it began that was yep. where the the coolness of austin the way i see it began sure. uh, again I, I mentioned uh, armadillo world headquarters and some of those uh, janice joplin uh, you mm-hmm. may know formed out on uh, at uh, thread gills out on north labar uh, burnett road mm-hmm. and then uh Threadgills and opened a, a restaurant downtown, and uh, you know the, the rest is history, as they say. But uh, just being in Austin, uh, Janice wow. Jopp, I would see her on the street corner uh, by at the University of Texas on the drag, sitting there playing an auto harp. I mean, she's just it, it was seeing these things, uh, watching uh, what happened in Austin, seeing the evolution. Wow. Of, of of music, but, so what's, but what's the ev- evolution? What was the evolution in your career, though, Bob? I mean, when well, you're thinking about it, so now you're doing sales, so you're getting a chance to have that experience of going out, promoting, doing, being a promoter, promoting the station, getting people to know that. How did how did that fit with 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 you? And of course, your 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 desire and your joy about being on the air. Well, a lot of it. Uh, to be honest, I had because of my political leanings, I, I had to be very careful because back back in those days, you, you don't. Uh, I was I, I'm unabashedly a, a liberal, a politically yep. liberal, and and I did not um, voice my opinions uh, yep. on the war or anything unless unless I was invited to. Sure, because I, I was a coward. I mean, you sit there and you say, "Yeah, I want to make money. I want to sell things." Me too. And, me too. I mean, I, I remember there in Victoria how I would not put out a sign for Barack Obama. Barack Obama, for God's sakes, because I was I afraid that the other people that would come by, that it would somehow impact whether or not they would hire me, whether or not somebody from First Victoria would hire me. This is my cowardice. This is the thing I'm having to come through and admit. And you and I are feeling the same thing, Dennis. Uh, and, and I am I'm so sorry that I didn't speak up more than than I Me did. At, and that's what and well, that's what we're doing now as we're doing. So so how how did you get to Victoria? Well, I, I there again, I was I was selling. Uh, I 
enjoyed selling. I, I think I was, I was pretty good at it. And mm -hmm. oh, Harry, Smith, <laughs> Harry Smith, the guy who sold, who, who had hired me, asked me if I wanted to be sales manager when he got promoted to sales, mm -hmm. uh, to a general manager. And so I accepted that position. And there's, there's a great story. If we have time, I'll tell you a story about uh, sales managers. Um, there, there was, well, there was a country, a place, a, a, a hunting lodge in Texas, and they had a the bunch of dogs, but the very best dog they had was named Salesman. And uh, I mean, whenever people would come from Dallas or Houston or the big city, you know, they would, would ask for Salesman. And uh, one day a guy came in from Houston and he said, I'd like to get Salesman for my for my hunting. And the guy said, you don't want Salesman. He said, that's the best dog you have. He said, oh, he used to be, but he said, what happened? Well, one of you big city guys came in here one day, made the mistake of calling him sales manager. And now all he does is sit on his butt and bark. And uh, so, so that was kind of the way I felt when I was sales manager. So, what so, did you miss? Did, did you lose? Because one of the things that has always impressed me about you is your love of people, of making that connection with people. And that, I do, so if you take, you and I. so if you take that out, if you take that out, how do you maintain that, that connection? You and I have always had that, it, you know, neither one of us is going to hide our, ourselves under mm -hmm. a, a bushel, as they say. And the, uh, when I, when I had the opportunity, what, what happened uh, as sales manager, uh, and I, I managed a, a staff of four, four salespeople. Can you imagine? Wow. I mean, the big, bigger stations in, in Austin now would My have goodness. huge, huge groups. We had four, four salespeople, and we were the top-rated station in the market at that point. We, we had some, uh, I hope this, so other people who are listening, you'll know what I'm talking about. We had uh, audience shares of 50, 55, 60 at that, that some, at oh some point. My now, again, there were only five goodness. or six stations. Yeah, but still, still, that, that, that is a huge market oh, share before, before everything has become so segmented. So, in this so I'm not sure that I was such a great salesman or I just had a good good uh, product. But anyway, I, I was, uh, after I had, had spent a couple of years as sales manager, we had an opening in Victoria. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know much about Victoria. I knew we had a station there. Uh, KVIC, and it was right. a single station, uh, AM, but I didn't know much about it. Uh, I had been there one time at a, at a group meeting, but sure. uh, Harry asked me if I wanted to go down there and become general manager. Well, J Wendell Mays, whom I adored, uh, just uh, he was our nominal owner mm -hmm. uh, of, of the organization, encouraged me to go to Victoria. And so I went down there and took a look and I said, okay, I will. It's it, totally different because it, at that point, Victoria had 40,000 people and it was just a, it's kind of a culture shock. It's and totally, it's a, it's a deeply concerned. It was known at that time. What year was that? That was in 71. All right. So 71 and, and we're, and we're talking about a very, uh, okay. So Victoria in 1971, what, so you, what did you get yourself into? <laughs> That's what I asked myself when I got there, Dennis. I, I got to admit, uh, got in at the at that point. We and I don't think I'm telling any out of tail stories. Oh we, heavens no! Our, our, our station 
our radio station had never billed had, as far as revenue is concerned. Mm -hmm. We had never billed more than about $12,000 a month. Well, that was barely enough to pay the bills. Exactly. And, keep, and keep, then keep you said, said there were real, yeah, and there were only those two stations, KNIL right. and, and KVIC, except for an FM station that right. was not really significant. KNIL was country. And I'm, I mean, I'm telling, sure. I don't know you know this, but uh, the audience. Right. And uh, we, uh, we were rock. And again, because Victoria was so conservative, uh, rock was not totally accepted uh, no, it, it really this was wasn't. not the station that you built it into this well, was not I, I the, really, that. I, just allow me to allow me to say that <laughs> allow me without well because what i'm saying is because i got to see it from the outside bob i got to see it build into and you know as the culture changed as as it was going along built into in into something that was an integral part of the victoria culture as it as it continued through there well, I appreciate I appreciate the kind words, Dennis. It was certainly not without uh, a lot of effort on a lot of people's part. A lot of people's we, uh, part. Well, the, you and, know, it, it's teamwork makes the dream work, right? I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. And, and and it and it certainly does. We had. I, I, I have to start out by talking about Wendell Mays Jr. Please. He he was absolutely the finest person I've ever met. Uh, he died in November of last year at hmm. age ninety-seven. Wow! Um, just a wonderful man. And uh, when I went to his funeral, his, his services in Austin, just uh, you could uh, you could sit back and say, you've been to memorial services. Of course. Where Are you kidding me? My age. That, that. Oh, that's BS. Yeah. Everything they said about him was absolutely true. He, he was Isn't just that wonderful. Man. He, oh, he really was. That's wonderful. So, and so the, I the, had, all right, on, so the, you, on a personal, on a personal sure. level, I loved the man, but on a professional level, he was just the ideal person to be with. And so he, he encouraged me to be my own person and to do the things that I thought was right. I think I had seen some things in Austin that we had uh -huh. done that, that I thought made a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, we, we, I was so lucky to, in a smaller market to be able to find the talent yeah. that was available because we did have when when I when I single I don't want to single out too many people because mm -hmm. there were some there were just some great great people who passed through KVIC people on the air people in sales people in engineering people that mm -hmm. made that station work they oh. had ideas and uh, we I think one of the things that we were able to do, we, we used to have uh, brainstorming sessions among the people at, and everybody at the station was invited, but not forced to be there. And we'd just go in and open up a uh, <clears throat> the every it became a tradition that at every meeting after a while, I would open the meeting by saying, OK, this is brainstorming. There is no such thing as a bad idea. Everything is on the table. We would like to have you participate with any ideas you have. And in, after, after a while, somebody who was a shill would come up with an idea. And then somebody who was a shill would say, that's the stupidest idea I ever heard. So we would, we would start off the meeting. That would break the ice. 
and then we would start out and and try to, and get some ideas. Some of which were great. Some of which we just we never did. Which is what but, a brainstorming session is. You got to bring them all out. You know, it's so funny because exactly. Janelle uh, Janelle Sarles was telling me that you're one of the most inspirational bosses no. she's ever worked for because no. of that, that because of this particular situation <laughs> i'm so glad that you brought this up because that's what she said that you listened to people that you you actually valued their contribution rather than than being the smartest person in the room janelle is one of those special people i was talking about she uh, just just the very fact that people like her were available were there came along at the right time talent uh, exactly and the and, the, and, and Dennis and, and Janelle will tell you the same thing. Everybody didn't have that attitude and they no. just didn't last. And, and, and the attitude wasn't, okay, I'm going to get rid of you. It's just, that, look, you're not contributing. This is not the place for you. Find you, a place it, to where you can it, contribute. Go, exactly. go enjoy don't, yourself. Don't sit around here and be unhappy. Don't vote. No. Don't be a non-contributor. Just, just please. Exactly. please move along and and i wish more people would see that and you see oh, it every that. day. of course you see it in retail you see it in people that oh i don't want to be here and then you see people i love it and, and exactly. you can tell the difference and and they're the ones they're the ones that are contributing to the growth of the organization yep. so by the time we had you know we you know this and you know the story but we added radio stations as time went on and we're able to pretty well dominate the market i think right. or, or do a, a pretty good job anyway of being a, of having an uh, an impact on the market exactly and because this was i mean all the kids that are growing up and many of the kids that are say they're going to be listening to your station are you seeing the music evolve during this time i mean oh, so so we're talking yes. about how Definitely. did you keep your how did you keep your pulse on the evolution of music because like for example i it took me a long time to go from the the beatles to the beatles to you know to really <laughs> to see what the what 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 it was all about when you know because to me they i i thought they they left and so finally i had to evolve into that how how did you stay how did you stay current with the music bob so somebody really nailed it when he, he was talking about uh, dating and he said, you know, you're dating a woman who is too young when she doesn't know that Paul McCartney was with a group before Wings. <laughs> and, and, and that's just, to me, I was lucky because I had people, people yeah. who kept up with music, who really understood it. Uh, I'll drop a name or two, Dave Jagger, who was yeah. one of the, the better uh, people at keeping up with the trends wonderful um, max kelly i can recall and and yeah. I, I i'm probably leaving some people well, out I, i'm sure but, you are but still this gives people because these are people who listen to them and listen to them and so they'll get that the audience here which is primarily victoria which i want to i want to will be playing this for victorians as one of our one of our primary audiences so please drop names and and events that victorians will relate to I appreciate that because they do deserve. You mentioned Janelle Sarles, and uh, she was a just a peach. I mean, just just a, you know her, and she's just, just a super person. But so many others who were so great passed through there, and I mentioned a couple of them. Bob Bishop was one who was on oh, the air, and God, had, Bob Bishop, yes, <laughs> Bob 
Bob is in Las Vegas right now, by the way. I've talked to him. I talk to him every now and then. We have some nice conversations. Uh, But I was not the person who kept up with that. The 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 programmers, and that was again, if if anybody would like any advice, hire people, good people, and let them run with it. For crying out loud, don't micromanage everybody. Please let if you have a program director or a music mm-hmm. director, listen to him or her and, and right. pay attention to what they say, because that's their job. If they don't do a good job, get another one. Exactly. Get somebody who is good. We did. We were able. We did a, a weekly survey also in Victoria, a telephone survey. We we had a we had people on staff mm-hmm. who actually called uh, to find out whom each for the, the, the respondent listened sure. to. And so we kept up with that. We had a computer program that, that analyzed it. Sure. And that, that helped us with the information. We never, we didn't do any focus groups on music, mm-hmm. but we did depend on um, the industry record, the radio and records and, and the other uh, billboard and all the others to see what the trends were. Sure. Now, we also depended on some local people because you know, we had some pretty good local groups uh, and we would play some of their stuff occasionally if it sure. seemed to fit the format. Uh, it just, it was one of those things, the evolution, and, and, and I'll be the first to admit, I don't understand what's going on in music right now. I right. really don't. I, I'm just. I, I'm out of it. I'm. I'm out of yeah. it too. I, I. I was sitting there. I. I remember twenty or thirty years ago when I would watch the, the Grammys or I would hear the Grammys <laughs> and I would go, okay, well, there are a couple of people I don't haven't heard of, but everybody right. else I know. <laughs> but I'm telling you now, and just in thing, if I see the Grammys, I don't. I don't know a single artist who is who is there or or the or the music but it's something that it's something that i'm that i'm i'm open to i want to know the poetry i want to know what 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 rap and hip-hop and that that from the poetic standpoint even if i can't get even if i can't get there because my rhythms are different see you and i are so similar. I, I want to know these things. I I worked for a while. I'm, I'm not going to go through the litany of what what's happened with me, but I worked at a, a uh, urban radio station mm-hmm. in Tyler, Texas, before I kind of semi-retired. Yeah, and it, that was quite an experience because I had never experienced urban music before, and I got a chance to really listen. To that and and to understand why I, I i don't understand it yeah but but to understand why people got caught up in it particularly younger people it was a it was it was a phenomenon and i yes. never had thought about it because my background and so much of yours too was in rock country yep. uh, uh, texana that kind of music so i had really never paid much much attention to uh, any urban music uh mm-hmm. hip-hop uh, anything along that line and it was just it was uh, it was a great experience uh, let's just say that it yeah. was it was it was a very broadening experience it was something that i had never never seen before so it was good and when did you leave victoria okay that was in 1999 99. i uh, yeah i had uh, we had in 1990 i guess late well see late 1998 we had an offer. Wendell 
being Wendell was the principal owner of the radio station. I was a minority owner of the radio, very minority owner sure. of the radio station. He called me one day and uh, we had had several suitors uh, to buy the stations. By that time we had, we owned two stations. We had an LMA, a local um, marketing arrangement agreement with uh, another station. Mm -hmm. And then uh, for the, we had those three stations. And so we, at that point, were entertaining offers and nobody really wanted the station that bad not as badly as sure. we did so everything was things were good by that time we we had really we had started making some money uh it, it was sure. never a never a gold mine but it was always very we had making a good, uh, on a living as an yep. artist who is putting out there and that you're doing that and which which i think is a uh, well i i just think that there's a great value in that well, I appreciate that because uh, the people and we, we were able to pay a little better money for talent than yep. some of the other smaller market stations were uh, stations. And by that time, Victoria had grown uh, mm -hmm. to the, the point that 60 or 70,000, 65,000 sure. people. And, and so uh, we were we were very, let's say, somewhat competitive. And it sure. was nice to be able to provide places for people to work. But that, at that time, Wendell was getting tired of the business. The business had changed so much, as you know, sure. and by that time. And it was had become, it had come to the point that it really wasn't that much fun anymore. Exactly. Um, when it, it's it, fun, it, let's stop it, doing it. it. Let's it, figure something out. You, you, you see this and you understand it. Absolutely. And some of the people I meet at the University of Alabama, some of the students that are going through broadcasting school, broadcasting talk about radio and how do you get into it and and i i don't my my first response is hey don't you know it's, it's so totally different from what it was when i began but i don't want to discourage them and so no. you know, here, here's what you do and that that kind of thing i hope that they land where you know where they where sure. they want and wherever we're going to do because in this i've never seen a time i mean you have who have been in entertainment for as as long uh, as you have and i who've been in entertainment and suddenly there are more choices and more opportunities for a for someone to distract their attention than we've ever had in our so whatever whatever the kids that are getting into it they're going to have to make their own path there's no, no more of these these grooved paths that 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 were there they're going to have you to blaze their own trails you are so right you in back when i began it would you're going to get into radio, television, or you're going to get into film or something like right. that. That's entertainment. Now, as you say, there are so many choices, so many options. Yep. Uh, I noticed that the University of Alabama uh, that I'm associated with uh, in their, the School of Communications, so much is uh, electronic, uh, yep. it's uh, digital communications yep. now. It's, it's not, they're not focusing as much on television. There, there's a lot of public relations and advertising, mm -hmm. but television and radio, and especially radio, are not really getting that much of a, they're, they're, they're teaching people to use the internet for marketing. Yep. Uh, how, how do you use Facebook? How do you use Twitter? How yeah. do you use TikTok? What do you do? Uh, uh, how, how do you, when, when somebody 
beckons some company, what kind of a background are you exactly. going to have? Say, okay, we need to get on Facebook, or we need to we need to do this. So yeah, yeah but the same, but the but the basic principles of sales, the basic idea: do you make a connection with the person? You make a connection. You sell a value proposition. You let them know what you. All of those things are just as current as today, Bob. The best sales trainer I ever listened to was a guy named uh, J Jason Jennings. And Jason's whole concept was, you find out when a person, when you talk to a prospective client, find out what he needs and provide it. And that's, you know, that's it. Thank and, you, and thank you. you. Uh, here, uh, sales lesson one, all Ex right. Le lesson two, close the book. There you are, that's fine. You exactly <laughs> right. Ask for the order and get the hell out. He. Uh, <laughs> Most so many salespeople, and you've seen this in, in your career, they'll go in and tell a client what he needs. How the hell do they know what he needs? They don't. And if you can teach that one concept, one find concept. out exactly. what the person needs. It's so easy then to, to sell it if he if he has the money and the financing, yeah. the, the availability to do it. But that's what uh, Sergey and Larry Sergey uh, and Larry did with the Google guys. They. They, they did exactly that, and they put it out there, and now look, it's the same and, thing that Zuckerberg did. And look at how did. they, just, they, how they fell them. on their face, right? Yeah, yeah. How they had no no success at all. None. And, and, and you're, you see it. We see yep. it. And I guess so much of it is in hindsight that, that we're able to see these things and see these changes. Yep. Going going back, uh, rewinding a bit, you asked how, what happened. We, we sold yep. the radio stations in 1998. Uh, the gentleman who, the man who bought the radio stations as a guy named John Barger. And I had known John since my days at, at KNOW in Austin, when we were mm -hmm. students together, we're the same age. And I knew when he bought, when Wendell told me that he wanted to sell it to, to Barger, I said, okay. And he told me what the price was. And I said, okay. And I said, but it isn't going to work for me. There's no way. He said, he wants you to stay. And I said, no, nah, there's just no way that I can work with Johnny. And, and, and I, was, I was not being derogatory. I sure. just said, again, I don't see things alike. This is the, and, this is the perspective. It, it is not a question. There are many ways to look at. I mean, I think of a piece of art. You sit there and you can have two people look at exactly the same piece of art and take two different things away. And you said this perfectly. My wife, who is sitting over here listening, she is an artist. And, and that, we've seen that same thing. And she knows that. She sees that. And seen sure. that in, in her career. Somebody says, oh, that's beautiful. No, it's really not. That's, that's not what I want. But anyway. But good for uh, you for being willing to have the courage to be able to say, no, I'm not. Well, I, I'm not so sure that I totally did. Because during the transition, when, when Barger bought the station, mm -hmm. he asked me if I would stay on. And I said, Johnny, I'll stay with you for six months. And that's it. Because sure. there's no way. That, I, I said, you know this. Right. We're not going to be able to work together. <laughs> and I said, if, you'll, if, if you will agree to this, I'll stay for six months during the transition. We can find the right person to take the stations and use. By that time, there were four stations. He had a station that he had put on right. the air. So we had four at that time. By that time. And I said, take these four stations and, and operate them the way they should be, the way Victoria deserves to have them operate. But you and I do not see things as sure. in the same way. And he said, well, let's just see what happens. Well, 
by, by that time, I had decided that there was just no way it was going to work. And so uh, in, in uh, May, first, uh, late April, early May of 1999, I left. And, and uh, that's, as the rest, they say, is history. And I, I ultimately came back to Alabama and, and then uh, left to go back to Texas and stayed in Texas for a while. Then ultimately went to Mississippi for a while, then came back, landed in Alabama. So that's where I, that's so, where so, I am. So tell me, tell me about uh, about your perspective because I, I'm getting a chance to see what this age looks like. I mean, I I, I kid my wife. I say <laughs> I say you know for me when I'm when I make coffee at night, you know, and prepare the coffee maker. That's aspirational. That's saying, my God, I'm going to wake up in the morning. <laughs> so I'm proud of myself. That, that, that for... That's being, you're, you're, it's a, you're I'm being, an optimist. Very optimistic. I, I like that. <laughs> and, but on, on seeing this I, I time a, of life, this time of life about how we can <laughs> have that value. I know you're having a value because you're getting to mentor and you're getting to go into the, and, and to, but, and I'm finding that too. I'm finding there, there's a richness that I would not have known had I not experienced it. What I admire, and, and I'm not blowing smoke. I admire what you're doing because you have picked up, as I said, we, we discovered we're Thank eight you. years difference, but here you are sitting there saying, Hey, I'm not just going to make coffee at night. I'm going to do something. I'm going to, to have Tardon media and we're going to, to do something positive yes. and we're going to provide some information and I'm going to have a good time talking to people that I know people I have known people. I maybe people that will be, I want to know. That's, that's right. And, and I really admire that. And I think Thank that's you. what, um, with, with me, when I came back, uh, I really wasn't really sure, uh, that I was going to get into anything when I, right. I moved, I moved to Tuscaloosa, uh, in 19, well, it, for uh, temporarily for a while and then went, as I said, went back to Texas, mm -hmm. but ended up here in about I don't know, 2005, 2000, somewhere around there. And uh, my, I married my high school sweetheart, by the way. Smart and guy. I, I know it's hard, hard to believe that the two of us were single at the time. And so we're now, we're now married to one another. And she, she said, I, I said, honey, let's get married. And she said, don't be silly. Who'd have us. And, and you know, that was, uh, so, but I'm boom. Uh, so the, yeah, we'll be here all week. Uh, yeah. Don't exactly. Just tip your weight staff. Don't, tip, don't forget to tip your waitress or wait for her as, as the case may be. So, uh, where, where was it? We, uh, well, you were, you were I, I, talking I about, about this age, the age oh. that we're at and, and the perspective yeah. of its like, of what is... Well, the, the, I think the beautiful, the, what's happening to what right now, anyway, at age 82, I am working with college-age students, yes. around college-age students, nice. uh, in a broadcast business. I, I didn't have any idea that I would even get involved. It's public radio. Yep, and it, we're headquartered at the on the campus of the University of Alabama, and so nice. it's a uh, a network, a statewide network of radio stations. But that's where we're headquartered, and as a result, we have a lot of um, interns and a lot of people who go through the program. Yep, and it's so nice seeing these young people who are enthusiastic, Dennis. They're they're Absolutely. really. 
And looking back to me when I was starting the college, it, it's just such a, a, an eye-opener to see they are so bright and oh. they are so, and they have, they know so much more about digital media than I do. Yep. It, it's so delightful. We're sitting there talking about computers and things. Well, what you do, you take this widget, take the, the status rat, move it over here. Uh, okay. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, 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 and yet yeah, what, what I love about the enthusiasm is because what we, you know, as well as I do, when we grew up and, 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 and we know about the news, the news is always there to, to highlight, highlight the, the, uh, the 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 bad highlight highlight the, you know the old it bleeds yeah. that leads the thing that we're doing so therefore we don't get a chance to see the absolute opportunities that's one of the things that i love about public radio public radio gives the forum to see what the creative spirit is uh where things are going right because as long as we can value them now we've got something we've got something that is the real humanity that is going to be able to move us forward and uh, it doesn't, because we're an NPR affiliate and uh, national public and, and other uh, non-commercial uh, network right. affiliates, we, we and they don't have to be beholden to any, just like I was talking about the fear of stepping on somebody's toes. They don't exactly. have to worry about sponsors. There, there, there are none except the people who listen and, and contribute their money. Exactly. And, and so that in that way yeah we get we get comments about oh you're so yeah you're liberal. oh yes this and that and that but but, but there are you're always going to be in if you it will be and i guess if, if you ever get to the point that you in news if people are not complaining on you're on one side or the other you're probably not doing it right